Got it right, Mark. Ah, I see. I'm cool. <laughs> Look, the fulfillment that comes from seeing a project of that scale yes. land. Ooh. And not only land, but land with a boom. Look. I could go out to the garage and plinko a bit. I mean, you were a, <laughs> no. you were a bottle flipper, for God's sake. You love bottle flipping. You, you, would, you would go out there and try and master the... That's true. I was a bottle flipper decades before TikTok ever came around. Look. Dessert. Desert? Hello and welcome to 9000 episode 176 Six. Platty Cakes. Platty Cakes, Platty Cakes. Baker's Man, bake Six. me a cake as, as fast as you can. You gotta sir. change some other words. Or ma'am. What? As plat as. You don't like platty cakes? Platty cakes, platty cakes. Baker's man. Bake, Bake me, me a cake. cake as flast as you can. <laughs> as fleek as you can. <laughs> I want that fleek cake on platinum, on the record, on the showroom floor. Whoa, it is vibrant. It is. I love being back in uh, Burbank. Yep. Always a delight. Flying in and out of that John Wayne airport. Oh, what a banana Republican. Mark. Josh, what's been going on, man? Well, where are we? I forgot. I mean, we're, I, we're in Burbank. I forgot <laughs> where we go. It's like it's the Burbank. Another uh, day, another trade show floor. Beer Burbank Municipal. Uh, I think it's the. This is the. We're at the conference where Price is Right. You know, they're filmed in beautiful downtown Burbank. It's where they acquire all of their stage props. Essentially, this is the Stagecraft Expo, if I'm remembering right. Uh, the Burbank Stagecraft Expo 2022. Spay and neuter your pets, people. I mean, when you were a kid, Mark, don't tell me that you didn't just get so excited every time Plinko came on. Oh, I did love Plinko. And you wanted your own Plinko apparatus. Nope. Kinda. Nope. If you could go out to the garage and Plinko a bit. I mean, you were a, <laughs> no. you were a bottle flipper, for God's sake. You loved bottle flipping. You, you, would, you would go out there and try and master... The That's true. I was a bottle flipper decades before TikTok ever came around. That's true, Mark. Okay, let's add. We can add another layer to the brush journey here. We we used to think that it began at the dawn of the internet age when you were at AOL, but really, getting to AOL, you were just that was just coattails of your bottle flipping. I day. was generating memes in high school, Josh. Oh, Mark, it's late amazing. at night in high school. I was generating TikTok memes and wellness memes because I was. Uh, hydrating every night to an excessive degree as I flipped that bottle. What I would the, drink, what are those, those, those Evian bottles? But it was like the big one. What is that? The big Evian bottle? Is that a quart? What is that? Might be a liter. Probably one liter. Yeah. I was drinking one liter, like probably two of those after dinner, before bed, every night. And 40 years later, your prostate thanks you, Mark. That's true. Knock on wood. I you do know, not get up in the night. We also... Spent our uh, Is anything in this house would <laughs> our, our pre-production meeting. Here we go. Talking a bit about content marketing and Mark out in the world right now. How much? 
You're not supposed to talk about the pre-production meetings. Sorry, this is but this is Jermaine, Mark. You know, you're out in the world. You're looking at some of your favorite uh, online media sources. You're always stumbling across like these sponsored content articles, right? Oh my God, they're everywhere. Don't you remember a world where those didn't even exist? I do. I remember a world in which you and I worked at an advertorial fine dining magazine yeah. that happened. That was cutting edge too. We it were, was. We were doing sponsored content. High value sponsored content a decade before it became de rigueur, Mark. So, welcome again to the bleeding edge that is 9000, episode 176. Platty cakes. Platty cakes, platty cakes. Josh. Yes. Yes, my baker's man. (laughs) I'm going to take you to the AI. I'm going to take you way out on that bleeding edge. Get some band-aids ready. Business name generator powered by AI Namelicks. Name licks. Generate business names with artificial intelligence. Oh, I love this one. I toyed around with it. I think I sent you some parameters, did I not? You did, but I didn't write those down. God, dude. <laughs> it's in the chat thread, isn't it? Do you have it? Check your chat thread. Oh, wow. How much randomness do I want? Low, medium, or high? I want high. High. Next. Select a name style. Automatic. Alter- alternates. I'm going to go automatic. Yep. Brandable names. What's that? Non-English words. Short phrase. Two words. Compound words. Alternate spelling. I love it. Have you put in your key phrases yet, though? Nope. Oh. Yeah. Nutrifuture is the first one that came up. See, I think I had already pre-programmed the... I think it was future food and podcast. Oh. With nut- the parameters. I got Nutrifuture, Future Seat. Project Snack. Well, these are all ads, apparently. Well, that, no. Well, there's those are the ones that you could pay to get a professional build out of. I think. Oh, well, let me go back. And they're maybe supplied by in-house. Talent. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry. It's in the URL. The keywords are podcast, future, and food. All right. My bad. Okay. So if I generate, oh boy. I mean, there's so many. Let's let me pick a few good ones. On air. Oh, that's. <laughs> It's artificial. I don't know about Me- intelligent. Meow mix. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one. Pods and pie. Pods and pie. Noodling. Mealtime. My diet. Eterna. A e t e r n a. Eterna. Future food. Bites and blooms. Bites and blooms. V- v- Vegapine. 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 Future foodie. Agritory. Beyond food. Spicy feed on food onwardly sustainab 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 like how to sustain rock hard abs Nuvion Nuvion Cropcast the food lab new nibble new nibble vibes vibes is that with a z that's with a v right but no it is no 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 I mean the n letter is it an s or a s <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's not zibes <laughs> zillis Excess fuel? All right, hold on. There's a lot. Metsu food, pots. There's a lot of beyond foodies. Well, I mean, Mark, I basically sent that to you because I know you're doing a lot of rebranding work. Well, let's and change. And so I thought you could bring that into the to the meeting. I'm going to change. If you ever need to jumpstart one of those creative sessions, you can just start with an injection of AI. Natch? Wait, what else? It generated Natch? No, I'm, I'm putting in new keywords. Oh, you're going to feed it Natch. Should I just feed it Natch? Something right. else. How about Natch and then the number 9,000? Let's see if it can get to where we got. 
What? Oh, it crashed. <laughs> it didn't crash, but it's just, it is off the deep end. Let's try again. I'm going to try brandable names. Randomness, brand keywords. Do I separate with a comma, I presume? <laughs> I think so, Dr. Livingston. Okay. All right. Generating. No, it's not changing my keywords. Oh, I got to go up here. I think you need to like reload the app entirely. You're using a targeted URL. Keywords match plus nine. We'll see what happens when it does that. Oh, I'm just changing it in the URL. Give it to me. All right, scintillating <laughs> content. Farmhoods. Farmhoods. Che Homish. Che Homish? Oh, I've got a little O and then a 9,000. Ooh. Lutic Lutican. Lutican. Poshak. Treen. <laughs> Garmqua. <laughs> Treen? T-R-E-E-N. That sounds like slang for latrine. Coos. I'm going to hit the treen, dog. C-O- oh, there it is. I just drank a, li- a liter of Evian. Where's the treen? C-O-U-S-E. Coos. <laughs> Arapaw. Natchikdek. Natchdick? Natchikdek. Natch. M-N-A-T-C-H. All right, why? Well, My Natch. Mornman. Are you happy to see that we're outpacing AI? Knatch. Knatch, like, uh... Scoo. <laughs> I Natch. Can of pork. Can of pork? What? Tree new. Whoa, dude. Natchafala. Oh, I can't believe you just said can of pork. Natchs. Natchs. Atchet. Okay, good stuff, people. Namelicks. Mark, I, you said can of pork. I did say can of pork. And it reminded me of what music I'd wanted to play for the interlude. I'd wanted to play something off of... Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Can of pork. It was a Lookout Records... Uh, can of pork? Compilation of all their artists. And it had just some of the weirdest stuff. Green Day was on it. Oh, well, you know I love a good Green Day. A little dookie. You love dookie? Josh, to the Graftrion, top Patreon creators, ranked by, let's see, I can, you, you name the time frame, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you how much they make in a year. Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to tell you how much they make per month. Oh, my God. Let's, let's do this. This is, the, I, wait, this was depressing, wasn't it? <laughs> well... It made Actually, me, no, it wasn't. Because <laughs> why did we we got rid of our Patreon? When we, we were nearing these levels. Well, Mark, I will say that ever since we stopped trying to attach uh, income to this fine podcast, it's only gotten exponentially better. Oh, well, exponentially better. I, <laughs> sorry. Um. All right. Yeah. Here's just some examples of Patreon creators. The Tim Dillon Show. Timmy D, huh? I guess. Who's Tim Dillon? Don't know. Oh. He's ranked number two with forty, almost 44,000 patrons, bringing in $226,000 a month. 226? <laughs> yes. Dollars a month? U.S. dollars. Chapo Trap House. Oh, he's a comedian. TimDillonComedy.com. Well, 
he's probably making more off this than he ever did before. Maybe I'm wrong. All the old Dylan heads are going to come at me. He's got a Netflix comedy special called A Real Hero. Oh, okay. Good. Well, actually, we could. Uh, is this is so? Is he like a an alterna Rogan? It's hard to know. Instead of doing the, well, I'm not in terms of content, but in terms of, I'm not going to bank it with my Spotify deal. I'm just going to go on Patreon direct to the masses and still make two and a half million dollars a year. <laughs> Gross? I don't, I don't feel confident speaking on Tim Dillon's behalf. All right, well, let's talk about Chapo Trap House, which you know oh so well, because I think you are a bi-weekly listener. No, I remember you talking about them years ago in a fit of rage, I think, because I, they were making so much money off of well, they, seemingly so little. So comedy plus he's got, intellect plus politics is what they're doing, but it's a little gaggle of brains. Hmm. $162,000 per month. But they got to share that. They got to split that up like six ways or something. I can't remember what po- what Patreon does. I mean, they carve right off the top some percent of that. I would. I don't know if this is gross or not. Excuse me. Oh, that's some hiccups, huh? But oh, actually, Tim Dillon was recently like four weeks ago. Always a great time talking about the future. Yeah. With but, Joe Rogan, he was on uh, Joe Rogan. There you go. So I'm not, even, rogue. I'm not even going to turn the audio on on that little Oh, thing. ouch. How far he's fallen, the Rogan. Dank pods. Creating videos about portable music headphones and tech junk. Okay. For 38 grand a month. Jeez, that's so niche. The cum boys. <laughs> what? Creating cum town podcast. Don't like, know. Cum? Cum? C-U-M. Oh, boy. Right on the shirt sleeve there. Huh? I feel like that's more of a... Little crusty spot. I feel like that's to see. more of a Chapo ironic. That's my, I don't know. Oh, 100, not, 144 grand a month. Ah, oh, Josh. Fantasy footballers have no dollars attached. Dark cookie. Okay, that's not safe for work. <laughs> Cold ones. Creating drunk content. 100 grand a month. Cold ones? Is that like a beer thing? Truanon podcast. Oh, there you go. Creating the only anti-pedophile podcast fighting the sicko elites. <laughs> and they're God. making a killing. 94 grand a month. Wow. QAnon Anonymous. Creating the QAnon Anonymous podcast. 80 grand a month. All of it spent on prepper supplies. Unbelievable. Last podcast on the left. 80 grand a month. There's some people. Last podcast on the left. Mark, do you know what that is a play on? Last House on the Left? Yes, which is a... Movie. Seminal horror movie directed by... Wes Craven. I think you got it right, Mark. Ah, I see, I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah, this is just just depressing. (laughs) All right. Yeah, but you're cool. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm cool. (laughs) Um, All right, what's next on our doc? We need to get off of that page. All right. It's too much. It's fine. It's great. Well, let's let's cleanse. The rest of this is newsy, so let's cleanse the palate with a can of pork. Oh, I, d- I couldn't find it. Well, what you got to give me something? No, I don't. You want to do the interlude fifteen minutes in? Yes, because then we got to. Oh no, 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 no! What is this? He's holding up manuscript pages. I do just real quickly need to announce. Oh, okay, an announcement. Uh, an announcement. The the book 
that I co-wrote with OneReach AI founder Rob Wilson entitled Age of Invisible Machines. Were you, were you was, raising the roof or were you just fixing your sleeve? Oh, yeah, they can't see that. I'm raising the roof. Oh, nice. Uh, it comes out from Wiley uh, oh. on Tuesday. Oh, You can pre-order it now on Amazon, which I encourage anyone who... Anyone who's uh, interested in the future of technology, uh, not, it, not just conversational AI. Oh, all tech. All tech. This, the, the concepts discussed in this book will affect everyone. I mean, whether let, you let me, are you're, you're, you're involved too, in making technology or just a consumer of it. As let me, let me just say are. this. Yes. I know you would be too modest to say something like this, but I think if, if you want to know the, what the people who are shaping the future of technology Read, so that they know how to shape the future of the technology. I mean, let's just say, if you were to creep in, well, Elon's sleeping, let me look on his bedside table. (gasps) What's that book right there? It's Age of Invisible (laughs) Machines, Mark. The book itself might always feel a bit moist. Uh, Fingers wet from the bleeding edge. (laughs) Gross. No, it's a great... No, everybody loves a moist book. It's a great book, and, you know, hosting this podcast about the future for years, I think... (laughs) <laughs> gave me the chops to approach such a meaty topic. Absolutely. Uh, but Mark... I'm going to Amazon. Age of Invisible. There it is. I'm clicking on it. Twenty six ninety nine hardcover. Beautiful looking book. Isn't that a gorgeous book? What's this? He's, oh, with you and it. Well, it's so it's... There's you. Is, is there an author photo even on Amazon? Oh, God. That's too crazy. Let me see. I don't think I set up that account properly. Age of Invisible Machines, a practical guide to creating a hyper-automated ecosystem of intelligent digital workers? Yes. Rob Wilson with Josh Tyson. The future. I can look inside. If I click on Josh Tyson, what happens? Something frightening? Well, these, no, but the rest of them are not. Just that one. Just you. Just me. What? Oh, there's other books come up, but they're not your books. Oh, weird. Well, I guess they're just filling the page. Exciting times. It is exciting. It's it was been the three year process, roughly, Woo. for uh, writing a, a white paper initially about hyper automation. That just every time Rob and I would get on the phone to talk about concepts in the white paper, we'd come up with more material, and eventually, it just each conversation felt like a new chapter. <laughs> Just mushroomed and mushroomed until it became this book that's now available. And it's uh, there's QR codes throughout it, too, so you can scan those. And it's dedicated to the people of Ukraine. It is. The uh, proceeds from the first year's sales go directly to oh. Ukrainian relief efforts. So, A preface by Josh Tyson. It's what I'm holding right here in my hand. The only I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I wanted to... Uh, read you this because it it ties directly into things we've talked about on this podcast, Mark. I'm not making that up. So hyper automation, right? That that's it's high level orchestration. Oh God. Of tech. I'm not reading from it yet. About the authors. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) What? Uh, You never know what you're going to get when Josh has the opportunity to create a bio. (laughs) It's very short. If I recall, Josh Tyson is an author and producer. Why is that funny? That's just who has held leadership roles for a variety of organizations. True, including TEDx Mile High and UX Magazine. Okay, true, true. Oh, he is the co-host of N9K, a comedy podcast from the future. 
You think I'm going to leave that out? Unbelievable. His Look at that. Oh, I'm, I'm touched. His writing has appeared in numerous publications over the years, including... What do you think? Out of the gate. Big Brother Skateboarding. <laughs> Chicago Reader, Flaunt, The New York Times, buried that. Slap. No, alphabetical. Oh, stop smiling. Thrasher and Westward. Oh, here this, this is where we get into trouble. What? Josh lives with his family in Denver where he enjoys... Okay, it's very straightforward. Where he enjoys oh, skateboarding, yoga, and getting his kids to watch the weirdest films they can find on the Criterion channel. Good true, work. True, 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 true. All true. Very different from your LinkedIn bio, if I... No, I think it's pretty similar. We'll have to go check. I've updated that LinkedIn bio. Oh, damn. Uh, you laughed at it too many times. <laughs> Got inside my head. I rewrote it. What was it? Do you remember? I think what was funny was it said like something about I replenish my energy <laughs> oh. with the healing powers of family skateboarding and yoga or something like that. Oh, but I took way. that off. It's gone now. Oh, it's gone forever. Okay. Uh, so hyper automation, Mark. It's it's uh, in a nutshell orchestration of technologies beneath a layer of conversational AI. So you can use a conversational interface, and automations take place out of sight, where you don't have to worry about logging into apps or connecting disparate apps. Like at all, you can orchestrate technology in a novel new way. Um, so Gartner came up with that term. The analyst. <laughs> Hyper automation. Ooh, that was a perfect intro for me to read this. Okay. It's an inevitable market state, and it's also a convoluted, hairy affair. Is this going to fade out? I don't know. <laughs> the deeper I've delved into it, the more I've noticed similarities uh, or similar systems in nature. On a hike, for instance, I'll notice how the elegant balance of individual elements in a healthy forest, the spongy moss, the immovable stones. Oh, is that an M-dash? What? Yes. Towering trees. M dash. Create a wholly immersive experience made possible by an invisible network sprawling underfoot in every direction called mycelium. Oh, this is, we brought this in. This fungal network connects 92% of plant families. The symbiotic relationship between mycelium and plants is called mycorrhiza, I think. Mycorrhiza. Mycorrhiza. Plants provide the fungi with sugars while the fungi transfers nutrients and water from the soil. The mycorrhiza runs through a network that can spread for miles. All of this goes largely unnoticed, but without it, there'd be no splendor. Ecosystems for achieving and maintaining hyperautomation are similar. A complex network of technology is orchestrated. You're not doing yourself any good. Oh, with the peanut gallery weighing in. Uh... Technology is orchestrated out of sight in order to give users the ability to harness its power without having to think about how to use it. Similar to the sharing of nutrients, this network connects every department within an organization to the same set of resources that can be called upon by anyone who needs to use them. If you think of problem solving with technology as running up a hill, hyperautomation allows you to cruise to the top at a steady clip. You don't need to wrestle with clunky graphical user interfaces, you don't have to navigate switchbacks between apps, and you don't have to stop everything and search for the right password. That is just a taste of the age of or age of invisible machines. I need a copy. You will get a signed copy. Oh, thank God. I don't know if I'll be able to get Rob to sign it, but I will sign it. I don't need Rob. I need you. <laughs> You've got me. <laughs> oh, right, look at so you. That, now I'm on your LinkedIn page. You've got Natch right there. Good for you. Well, it's a 
I forgot we had a we have a net we have a net. I've been updating it too. I post. You have? Yes. You're a LinkedIn guy. Oh, there's our the LinkedIn girl. is pretty much the only social network I use. That is swimming the waters of can't get you out of my head. Number three, the lordly ones. Oh, look at you. Oh yeah. Oh, there's that lovely photo. Of- <laughs> yeah, it's a frightening photo. <laughs> no, I'm active on LinkedIn, Mark. <laughs> I don't post a lot of content, but I'm. I'm there. I'm lurking around. Good. We have a page. Keeping eyes on things. Something, there's three things on our to-do list. I mostly just check LinkedIn to see what Bagney's up to. So. Oh, is he on there? Oh, yeah. He's a, he, he's always sharing and commenting. Oh. He's an active LinkedIner. All right. What's for dinner? LinkedIner. I'm waiting for the interlude. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. On the achievement well, thank you, Mark. On the fulfillment that comes from seeing a project of that scale yes. land. Ooh. And not only land, but land with a boom. <laughs> it is landing with a boom. Land in a way that you're pleased with. That's Look, you got your name on the front of that. Come on. It couldn't have, you are on the cutting edge. It couldn't have been a better experience. Oh, that's wonderful. I consider myself very fortunate to have had the opportunity to work with Rob and write that book. He's a fascinating, uh, wonderful person. So, cheers, cheers. Huzzah. 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 All right, Mark. Um, you've demanded an interlude. Uh, 25 minutes in. I think that's salient. That's that's the right time. I was hoping to play something off Can of Pork, the Lookout <laughs> Records compilation from 92 or something. Um, ooh, Wait. Last ditch effort. Let me see if I can find this song. I remember what it's called. I'm going to play a song called Trinidad by Brent's TV. Trinidad Brent's TV. By Brent's TV. But um, I don't know if I'm able to find it. This is good. All right. Anyway, we'll do this instead. We'll just the Dovers. Uh. What am I going to do? This is like some classic stuff. Yeah. 
Welcome back, 9,000. You're Hey, by the way, you're number one. What? I was about to close my Amazon tab. Age of Invisible Machines, number one new release in office automation business. Whoa! <laughs> hey, that's pretty good. That's oh, pretty also, good. I'd be remiss. I need to give a congratulations also to my friend and esteemed colleague, Elias Parker, who was as instrumental in the uh, writing of that book as Rob or I. It was a team effort. Uh, and man, I live with a jazz musician. I don't live here. <laughs> a jazz vibraphone player, excuse oh, me. Uh, we listen to a lot of jazz. I appreciate very much the mathematical aspects of it and just the intricacy and the There's a lot of math, There's the a lot patterns, of logic. all that stuff. But when I hear a song like that Dover song, oh Josh, ba- like bad recording kind of, but and and nothing that couldn't be played by anyone. You could teach anyone to play that song, any of the instruments, probably inside of a day. You could by the end of the day, you could have four people performing that song, maybe. But there's something about the way they did it then that just it goes oh, straight Josh. to the marrow, Mark. Uh, I a, a I song had, about true love. I had the good fortune of. Taking a car ride back from Dazzle. Yes. The preeminent jazz venue in downtown Denver, Colorado. Correct. After seeing celebrated vibes player... Joel Ross. Joel Ross. Great show. And I was privy to one of what I assume is hundreds (laughs) of contentious music conversations (laughs) between the hoi polloi and the elite. Woo! Yeah, (laughs) it's not so... I I mean, I... I get it. A little bit of the that jazz snobbery coming out in terms of, uh, you know, I'm not, I can't solo over this rock song. Yo, yo. I'd, I'd be bored to tears. Well, see, I've been trying to sell him on the idea. I mean, he's 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 a member of New Age Dad. Well, he, he always has did, been. Didn't he go to Idols? That can't be. Yeah. That's not complicated music. He and I have seen Idols twice. Come on. No, he gets it. But, I mean, the, see, what I think he, I mean, I think he should always pursue his vibes as a, as a jazzer, because he's an amazing jazz musician. But why not play a little rock music with your dad and his friend? You've been in the band since you were born. Uh, I'm looking at a full drum set right here. Well, he doesn't even have to play the drums. He can play vibes. Oh, sure. Think about that that song by the Violent Femmes. You know, Gone, Daddy, Gone? Gone, gone. Daddy, Gone. Loving, Gone, Yeah, but that's on a marimba or a vibe. But in the middle of that song, there's like a wild solo. Right. Like, why can't... That could happen. Uh, Josh, I I mean... I could strum the shit on the guitar. (laughs) And you can do the little diddles. That's a whole different... New Age Dad is nothing but just the spirit of jazz. Yes, but... In layman's hands. Some of those songs, we don't know what chords those were. I don't even know what happened. Like, Lullaby 8, we couldn't recreate that? No, that is jazz in its truest form. Even if you had a million chimpanzees and a million typewriters in a million years, you'd never... uh, Oh, there'd be a there's recreate. Uh, there's room titled eight or lullaby eight. There's room the for every type of jazz musician in New Age Dad. But but I there's another point to be made, which is of course, it's okay. I mean, the, I'm I look at me. I'm an old man studying music theory, trying to that, but that up makes my chops. You a young man, Mark. up my chops. That keeps you young. play the changes. But you know, I still appreciate a good. Like a GCD song like that from the Dovers. Just come on, that's no, Mark. You can't. I, you can't grow beyond it. You're just expanding your palate. I've always taken you for a romantic, so I think that song <laughs> probably makes you swell up a little inside. I mean, 
You met the love of your life as a young man, as did I. We both had the good fortune to marry young and marry well. So I know you believe in true love, well, Mark. I didn't quite marry, but... Or yes, I'm sorry, part- partnership. I'm going to put that as the subhead. Marry young, marry well, partnership. <laughs> or how about partner partner young, partner well? Ooh. <laughs> Make it a little more. Although anyone's currently, I think, allowed to marry. <laughs> who knows? New, new subhead. Anyone's currently allowed to marry. Well, who knows what'll happen? In this Good God! Fascist careening country. I, I've been having more. I've been okay, but the whole existential crises, left, right, and center. Why bother publishing a book? Why bother learning the harmonic minor scale? What else are you gonna do? Exactly. What else are you gonna do? How about why bother? Going to a Zoom meeting you don't want to go to. Well, that's where it really hits. <laughs> well, I did, I did, I did wake up and like the bloom is off the rose there. I think because for a while, I think if you worked in an office and all of a sudden you were working from home, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, this is better. I don't mm. want to ever have to go back. You're fighting, resisting that. But I was already working where I wanted to work, and then all of a sudden there were no meetings, and there were more and more Zoom, mm. and so. Lately, I find I find myself going. Do I want the next twenty years of my career to be just Zoom calls where I'm staring at people? Hmm. It doesn't feel very good to me. Zoom calls can be tricky. <sighs> They're terrible. You got to get in there and participate, though, Mark. If you're just staring at people, sometimes yes, sometimes no. There, I, you can either raise your hand or I think there's a button you can. <laughs> yeah, push well, that's, that's, I'm not worried. Got that's not the problem. <laughs> The problem is staring into a screen and looking at other humans and trying to read the room. And you know what I do sometimes, Mark? Because I give them a I, quick flash, a little butt cheek. No, but if I sit too long, I get tired. So I've converted an old. Uh, oh, you're a stander upper. Well, I've got a salon. Color. Are you ever a camera off guy? Well, that's what I was about to tell you. See, I've got a. Oh, a I hate that. I've got a. A salon color tray that you can raise the height. And it's like a perfect little standing desk. I don't need much but my computer. And I can also, like, plug it into our TV in our bedroom and use that as a second monitor if I want to, like, really... You're looking at that giant TV as a monitor? Well, because... But it, it, you can kick the resolution so it actually functions as, like, a huge monitor. I mean, you could have, like... Whoa. So if I'm in beast mode, Mark, I might be doing that. But if I'm Do just... Do you have to a, plug in for that or is that a stream Bluetoothy thing? I just plug it in because I'm old school. But, uh... So a lot of times I'll stand for my Zoom meetings, and it's a little weird because there's a ceiling fan right behind my head. So like <laughs> I spend a lot of the meeting kind of centering my head yeah. so that the fan is like spinning. <laughs> yeah. But then I don't think it's disrespectful to occasionally turn your camera off No. and do a down dog while you listen to what someone's saying. No, that's okay. Because it prevents me from having back pain. Back pain distracts me. I can listen very well while I'm doing a down dog, but no one wants to see me dip Look. out of the camera or... I, I, I'll be the last one. Zoom etiquette. You guys zoom however you want to zoom. Hey. Uh, you be you on the zoom. Yes, but, but there are people who never turn the camera on. No, I'm the I type of person that. who always turns it on. But you're right. It, I'm, gonna, I'm like an 80% guy. If I go into a meeting and everyone else has their camera off, I'm not going to turn it on. That's true. If there's zero people. But if like everyone's got their camera on, I'll turn my camera on. Say but hi, see, now in. maybe this is different because are you like fully remote? Like everybody's remote? Zooming in together? Because I part. often am doing Zoom calls where I'm remote, a few people are remote, but there's a conference room full of people. Oh, I yeah, that doesn't happen. It's a different vibe. <sighs> well, how did this happen? 
How did know. my life become talking about Zoom? <laughs> what was my point? Existential crisis. The, oh, you said something like the rose has, the bloom has fallen from the rose. What? <laughs> That's what got us I here. think that was about working remotely. Oh, okay. And Zooming. But before that, there was a point to be made about the existential crises. Well, you were saying, why do man. anything? Yeah. Which I had, I was going to bring that around because it wasn't meant to be a pessimistic story, but I forgot the. Well, you said, what, "Do I want to spend the next twenty years doing this yeah. and that?" And the this and that was yeah. Zoom meetings. Yeah. Mark, you're a creative problem solver at heart. I'll, I think I'll, as I'll long as you're doing that, story. you will you will find enough happiness to get you through. You can survive a few Zoom meetings if you're contributing creatively, Mark, because that is what you excel at. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Oh no! Back to the AI. Oh boy! I mean, we we don't have to make it all AI. You can. What? Well, what's? Just give me the headline. So I'll tell many. you if we need to. Well, let's just take them in order. Okay. They, most of them came from you. Came from you. So I guess I'll play reacts. How? Oh, you know what we could do? You could you could drop a little of it, and then we could each haiku about it, and then move on. Real quick style. Yeah, but it's got to be five seven five. <laughs> The super-rich preppers planning to save themselves from the apocalypse. Speaking of, this is a Guardian story. Time to bunker down if you've got the cash. Tech billionaires are buying up luxurious bunkers and hiring military security to survive a societal collapse they helped create. But like everything they do, it has unintended consequences. I I guess I'm going to break the rules and ask, did you read this? Because I read it. It's a great article. Okay, no, I didn't. All right. Give it Fascinating. to me. Well, it's interesting because this guy, they bring him in. They want to ask him all these questions about. Who's their, the guy? A billionaire or the, the guy who wrote the article? Artery. He's like a consultant of probably sorts. A, probably a billionaire. But I think he's also like a, a kind of a an author, maybe. Okay. Like a writer. I can't. Okay, so I read it a while ago, but like he thought they wanted. You're talking about. He was. He was taken aback by some of the things they really wanted to know. Like, what they wanted to know. Like, at first they wanted to know... An edited extract from Survival of the Richest by Douglas Rushkoff. Oh, yeah, he's a famous name. Yeah. But he, he talks about how initially, like, the questions were like, w- would it be better to be in Alaska or New Zealand? Or something like that, you know, like when shit goes down. But then they were asking of stuff like, how do I hire a security force to protect me, but ensure that they don't turn on me and kill me? Yeah. And like they were floating ideas like like uh, collars that they could put on these people that could like kill them instantly if they needed to. Oh, my God. See, that's at the end of the day. Those are the assholes. Though you're you're an asshole and you can't be saved even with your money, especially if it's not if if the world's over. Yeah. You could be the last person on Earth to die, but you're going to die an asshole. Yeah. That should matter more than, I don't know. And you're still going to die. It's so puzzling. Okay. I'm just looking at the photos in this story. Here's, <laughs> it's this, what a great shot. Jeff Bezos in his space suit and his cowboy hat going, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. I, I remember that picture. What a dickhead shot. <sighs> and then this, and then the, the, uh, one of the links off of here is billionaire Peter Thiel refused consent for sprawling lodge in New Zealand. Good, somebody. He'll just give more money and he'll get it. All right, I'm crafting a haiku. Oh, okay. Haiku time. We can't craft it. You got to do it on the fly. Well, I just got to write it down. I can't jot it down. <coughs> no, I'm not going to jot it down. Okay, let's see how that goes. Mine's going to be this. Billionaire spacesuit. 
cowboy hat. Not big enough. Petard. Damn, <laughs> I'm in a box. I was going to say hoisted on your own petard, but I'm going to have to say petard you hoisted. Oh, that's pretty good. Billionaire spacesuit. Cowboy hat. Not big enough. Petard you hoisted. 575. Eat it. Okay, how about this? Very last to die. Good. Surrounded by dead servants. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. E- eternal asshole. Okay. Great. Well done. We crushed that. All right. From the future. I don't know if I can do more haikus. It's taxing. We can try. You ready to move on? From that article? You want to keep going to that article? I think we said what we need to say. I mean, they're going to have to figure out... Oh, wait. Yeah, there was one. That's maybe what I was thinking about before, this whole existential crisis. It's like, if you are living through the end, so be it. I think what troubles me most about this time, some people view it as like, oh, Trump run amok. How the hell did this happen? Why can't anything stick to him? Why can't we penalize him for his behavior? Or now you got Putin, nuclear, what? Where is this coming from? I'm going to mobilize a draft in my country to take over a a neighbor that nobody thinks I should on the global stage, including China. So anyway... It just it's 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 an era marked by nothing makes sense. And so if nothing makes sense, that might be what it is like to live in like what did it feel like when you lived in the Civil War? You're probably like, Well, this doesn't make any sense. I gotta send my kid off to die to in retrospect, maybe there were some righteous causes, like abolish slavery. Maybe now it's like save the planet. Maybe yeah. that's coming. But what struck me so much lately is the lack, the way nothing makes sense. And so when nothing makes sense, that's that's its own challenge, Josh. How to navigate life when nothing makes sense. Especially for but, a, but things make sense to you in your head. Well, especially for a type A like you, Mark. That's I guess gotta, that might be. That's got to drive you up the wall. I am like a type D. Uh, one, oh, one thing this article made me think, though. I, I thought for some reason this guy was a science fiction author, but I might have made that up. But I think... Hmm? And I've had this conversation with with Robin Elias, actually, uh, talking about concepts in the book. But maybe companies that are going to, especially companies that are going to start using AI. God, you're already assuming there's companies. Or organizations. What? Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, like, in the near future. Okay, before the end. Hire or put on retainer a couple of your favorite sci-fi authors. You know, you book a couple hours a month with them. You come to that meeting with some proposals, some things that you're thinking about doing. And then you let them, and then you check back with them in like a week. You let them stew on those those uh, business m- models or these, these ideas that you want to implement. And they can, prog- you know, they can uh, prognosticate on ways they might run amok. Because sci-fi authors are great at that. They're great at looking at stuff like that and, and chess chess gaming it, like looking 10 oh, moves down. Oh, yeah, and seeing good how, point. I like it. Seeing how bad it could get. Well, th- I would put this guy in the mix. I but, would too. But he's, I don't think he's technically... Oh, like, he wrote that book, Present Shock. That's famous. When Everything Happens Now. 
Anyway, he, you think about like Facebook. He looks like a nice guy. You get, he'd they, be he'd be fun to get on your ideation team. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, <laughs> got like, a flannel shirt. But you know, like Facebook, they probably designed an algorithm once upon a time that you know it was designed to just get more likes on on content, right? But now we've seen what that's morphed uh, yeah. into. It's morphed into this. You think this like black hole of doom? Yeah. Who is on Facebook? I don't even know. God, I don't get it. I ran. I mean, I guess Instagram. I still, I still watch skate videos on Instagram and post show <laughs> images. Is that the one? I'm gonna go to the. Oh, I still follow Skate DIY. That's, that's who we follow. <laughs> okay. Well, I like because I'm gonna build a little concrete quarter pipe on our patio at some point in the near future. Oof. And you know I'll do it, Mark, because I'm in get stuff done mode now. Oh, I like it. Josh, back to the AI. An architect asked AI to... Here comes Sorghum's... An architect asked AI to design skyscrapers of the future. This is what it proposed. Now, this is going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's visual. They're very like big, visual. Big, mossy, green, phallusy. But they, whereas, like most skyscrapers, kind of look rigid. These are organic. These are organic. They have, yeah, they look like root systems. Mycelium, Mark. They have organic. You know what they look like? Material Mark. growing as scaffolding up the side. Polyps. Aren't they kind of polypy? I don't know, but I had to cancel my colonoscopy. Why? Speaking of, because I got COVID. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I went. No, that's all right. <laughs> I told you I had COVID. Yeah, well, I and like the the buttholes are really dangerous region. No, when you have COVID. no, no. It is. It's full of COVID. That's how they track. They, they're checking wastewater for COVID. <laughs> all right. Well, I hadn't. I thought you were joking. Butthole is a death trap. <laughs> I had planned this thing like six months in advance because I know you know you're down for a day. You need a ride home. Have you had one of these? No. Oh, you you are over forty five. Recently. You're supposed to get them now. That's the new cutoff. I'm looking forward to it. I- <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead. Yep. So Red Twist had one, which is funny because that's not what's funny. What's, fu- <laughs> what's funny is what she said coming out of it. They, put, they knock you out, right? Yeah. So that's why you need a ride home because they... Yeah, you need a ride home. And... Uh, it, it was one of these things where you're a little loopy, but they're in there monitoring you. You're not like in a private, you're in this like kind of like a curtained off area. And I'm like, uh-oh. What, just in my mind, like somebody just stuck a tube up your ass. This is prime, a prime moment to say something when you're not, no filter, something inappropriate. And, and the reason I thought that is because she did at one point kind of look at me. She said, it was just like little fingers. <laughs> like somebody tickling. Ooh, she made like little jazz hands. She did that little jazz finger. I was like, oh no. Wait, so she, Don't go any further than this. Wait, she was drifting off to sleep and she told or you? Oh, she that? was coming out. Oh, she was coming out. You come in and meet them at the end. And and she was like, so, I didn't even ask what did it feel like, which is like, oh, little fingers. It was a tickling, like little fingers. Why do they knock you out though? Because they don't want you to move? I think you're fully out. Because they stick a tube in there, and yeah, you want to. You could probably ask to be awake. No, I don't want to be awake. Like no like, problem. Is it because it's painful, or because they just don't want you to move and tear your colon or something? I don't think you would tear it. Well, I mean, what if that's, you, a, that's like, a resilient. What if you did a sudden shift in the scope? That's true. Maybe jab through your. Yeah, once it's in there deep, you probably don't want to be. 
Yeah, because it's like coiled and. But it's a it's a flexible tube. It's not a hard tube. <laughs> it's not hard, but doesn't it have something on the end like a light. I'm what, guessing people. I'm guessing your it's discomfort. and wall with an LED light. Now you're right. If it, with the LED light, and if they, it's all came up because you said polyps. If they find they found none on her, which is great, so she has ten years. But if they find a polyp, they just cut it out right there. I think. Yeah, there's a freaking scissor in it, man. You're right. So there you go. You don't want to be shifting around for that. Nope. All right. Anyway, why were we talking about that? Were, were her guts like in pain at all? No. Oh, the only thing that, it's just the anesthetics. You got to like yeah, get a nice ride home. You got to get a ride home and you, and you go immediately to, the problem is the prep. You know, you got to not eat and then you drink like this crazy milky you, stuff, right? Yeah. Barium? Well, no, not barium, but, oh. Everybody wants to hear the prep yeah. procedure. The night before is the rough time. So you stop, so you sort of stop eating, and then you drink this crap where you it just blows you out. Yeah. You get in, you are, blo- <laughs> yeah, it's just like one of those cleanses right after. It is. It's like an oral. Enemy. I think, but it blows you out to the degree where, to the degree where you're like, there's nothing left in here. Why do I keep doing this? Oh, that sounds exciting. There you go. So then you, and then you don't eat in the morning. And no, I don't think any water either. Have the have the procedure, and then you immediately go and just pound whatever food you want. Sounds delightful. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. All right, that's the AI. All right. Well, I hope you get your butt probe soon. So I got. Yeah, I had scheduled mine, calendared it. We could all do it. This is going to be easy. I won't have to deal with any holidays or. But then, two days before, I get COVID. And How'd so you I'm get like, COVID at the co work space? I got it at the East High School back to school meeting in the auditorium. Is where I got it. Because and it was a day later. Oh, you verified? Well, no, but you suspect. Where else was I going to get it? I don't know. I went to that damn thing. I went to that thing. It was indoor auditorium, couple hundred people, some random coughs here and there. You're like, oh, I don't like the sound of that one. Did you feel sick, or were you just the next day? I the mildest of symptoms right before I went to bed. So Mm -hmm. quick turnaround. Um, I was like, wait, wait, wait. You went to the back to school night and had symptoms later that evening? No, 24 hours later. Oh, okay. I was going to say, that's a little sus. 24 hours later. For blaming them. 24 hours later, just only because I was like, huh, I just blew my nose. I've never had to... What's going on? <laughs> but then I woke up the next morning, like, I did not sleep very well. I feel a little off. Took a test. Immediate double line. Wow. <laughs> like, strong. But then I was like, oh, I feel still pretty good. And so I did some meet Zoom meetings. There you go. But I told them all, like, eh, we'll see how this goes. Oh, it see, happened. To, you were probably thrilled to have the COVID well, card to no, get out of happen- those Zoom meetings. It happened to be a Friday oh, okay. before a long weekend Ugh. where I had my fish ticket for Saturday night. Oh, yeah, that's the funniest part of this whole thing. <laughs> Son of a... That I just fish bought. got ruined. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so then... I did my last meeting about noon, and within three hours, I spiked a fever and was like, for, but only for 36 hours. All right. But then- Wow, this is a very detailed breakdown. Did then- you, Is this like in your journal? A solid week of like congested head huh. and feeling a little logy. And then another week of like very mild, just, oh yeah. All right, well. Now I feel great. I'm glad we had privacy for that second. <laughs> Everybody wanted my COVID story. So I have to reschedule my colonoscopy. Josh. Right, but I'm glad you're doing that, and I'm glad our listeners. Well, no, because in the meantime, okay. I'm a Kaiser guy, and they sent me one of these at-home poop kits. What? 
You, you can, just lay down a towel, poop on it, scoop a little out, and mail it back in. You poop on a towel? Well, not a towel, but a little paper towel. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Do you, like, they send you a medical-grade paper towel to poop on? It's or some special... <laughs> I don't know what it is. This is fascinating. But... Yeah, but... Because I right. had talked... I hadn't been had a physical in forever, but when I did one a year, two or three years ago, the doctor said, you can do either one of these. The at-home is much easier. You don't have to do the prep. There's no anesthesia. You're at home. Wait, you can just poop on a towel instead of getting a colonoscopy? <laughs> but here's the thing. They won't find polyps that way, will they? Ah. So on the one hand, they are encouraging people to do it because a lot of people just don't ever do the real thing. So do something. To do something. But when you do it, it can... I can't remember how inaccurate it is. It's not, certainly not as accurate. And it can give you a false positive or a false negative. So a lot of people will get a false positive, and then the next step is colonoscopy anyway. Hey, but you, you have, have to, to do it every year. You have to do it every year. And that's my point. Is like, well, what if they found some polyps in there? You can't deal. You don't know they're there? Pretty I want to clean risk. those out. Pretty big risk. Yeah. Were you able to manage the poop and scoop yourself, or did you have to get Red Twist help? I didn't do the poop and scoop. Oh. Because I want to schedule the full boat. I see. You want the boat ride. I want to get right up in there. Take a look with a light and a tiny, tiny scissor. Yep. <laughs> little, little polyp scissor. And some sort of suck. They must be able to suck it back out, oh, too. Probably. So is that probably too... They probably suck it out. You can probably just crap it out. Oh. That big they, they need. They need to study it. Oh, that's true. It's probably two tubes. I'm thinking this is a two-tuber. One of them is the light, and the other one is sort of a... A scissor suck. Scissor suck. (laughs) And so what happens is the one light, they both go in, and if they find something, they light it, they scissor suck it, and that tube comes out and then goes back in. And then you got a little pile of polyps. There could be some repeated... This There could be some in and out. They're going to be in your ass a while, Mark. (laughs) Josh, to the zeer... Z-E-E-R. Another story from you. The coolest way to keep food cold without refrigeration. An oh, apocalypse yeah. story? I love this one. Electricity, not necessary. Let me see if I can remember. You get two clay, two clay pots. One it's fits a clay in, pot cooler called one, a zier. One fits inside the other. So you take the big pot, you put a little bit of sand in it, and then you pour some water on that sand. You get the sand wet. And then you put the other pot in, and maybe you put wet sand around the inside, too. And then you can store your food in there, like perishable foods, on your countertop. Evaporative cooling. Keeps them nice and fresh. For how long? Ten years. <laughs> Perfect. That's I how long you go while, between colonoscopies. I think all you have to do is occasionally, like, you, you put a little more water in the sand. Oh. That's so easy. That is. Josh, what a tip. Hot tip. This is a, it's just amazing, says Paul Smith Lomas, CEO of Practical Action, a UK charity that helps people in Latin America, East and South and Southern Africa, and South Asia find solutions to daily challenges, including food preservation. We like to find ingenious ideas that can help people fix their own problems. You heard it here first. When the shit hits the fan, you when can turn on fan. Peter Thiel at his New Zealand Lodge, <laughs> or you can just set up your zeer. When Mark is squatting over his towel and he misfires and the shit hits the fan. <laughs> yes, geez, I did not do that. Our indoor, I'm going on to the next story. Okay. 
There's so many. You've sent me so many. It's to been the, a while. I said to the unequal earth. Now, why did I say that? I'm not sure. Are indoor vertical farms really future-proofing agriculture? Yeah, maybe not. <clears throat> Heralded as the next step in food production, this practice is gaining ground in the U.S., but are they really a greener alternative to traditional farming? Why did I write unequal earth? I don't know. All this story made me want to do is carve out, Mark, a hot little two-hour window for us to just really refine our Mall of the Future deck, where we take, I think we use Cherry Creek Mall as, as the boilerplate, and uh, you turn Cherry Creek Mall into a whole food-producing ecosystem community place, <laughs> you know? You got the aquaponics. You got the cricket farm. Oh, it's from their Unequal Earth series. You, you could have uh, housing, like nice housing within there for the people who work there. It'd be badass. I think. Well, I think you ought to, as you're doing that, put some kale and mizuna in there. There's going to be all sorts of kale and mizuna. That get processed by a lay-down robot. Yeah, we got all sorts this of This is happening at Plenty's bots. Indoor <laughs> Vertical Farm in South San Francisco. Why would you put it in South San Francisco? I rode my bike past Gotham Greens over at Stanley Marketplace the other day. That I'm was there great. all the time. Is that where your coworker That's, uh, spot is? And I'm taking a few lessons at the Stanley Place right there. Me and the 10-year-olds. What? That's where you're taking guitar lessons? <laughs> With 10-year-olds? Well, we had some extra things. Uh-huh. Harper can't do the voice anymore. I'm like, hell yeah. They, I'm sure they've got some jazz guitar here. There's a guy. And you go during the middle of the day? There's no kids. What have you learned so it's far? It's serious... Have you learned a lot? Oh, I'm learning all of the inversion, the inversions of the uh, major, minor, uh, dominant, and half diminished. Hey, that's big news. Seventh chords, starting on various string shapes. There's some wild. You get some wild flourish shapes going there. You got to feed those dexterous fingers. You do. I mean, some of them are so crazy. I like it. Get a little. little. They're, they're hungry for that activity. Sore. They're hungry for shapes. They are hungry for shapes. <laughs> These fingers want the shapes. Ah, good story. Ultimately, I think we're future-proofing agriculture for our species, says Nate's story. Okay, that's a good pull quote. I wouldn't go so far as to say the industry will replace or even overtake conventional agriculture, says Brendan Be. Be? Be. Be? Be. B-E-H? There are certainly benefit. Correct. There are certainly benefits for renewables, but I wouldn't call them a silver bullet, says Kale Harbick. Well, with a name like that, Kale Harbick. All right, good story. That Gotham Greens. I'm always. Sometimes they used to have it open, where you could see everything in there. A lot of the time now, it's covered, right? I could see in a little bit if you if you get up there and really peek in. I was just riding my bike past, and I was like, just. What are you doing on a bike ride over by? I finally put some thornproof tires in my bike because it kept getting flats, and I went on a little family ride. Are, are there such a thing as thornproof tires? Thornproof tubes that you can put in your tires. There, they come in bigger boxes because the the tube wall is so thick that it you can't really fold it up. Is all it that still much. an inflatable tube? Yeah, but it's like so really wall. it's a lot heavier. So, but my bike is so light, doesn't matter. Oh, I see. It heavies up the bike a little bit, but it also. I don't know. I, I used to love riding my bike, but there was like a, a month or two month period where I got like God. a flat tire every time I rode <clears> it. <throat> and I took it into the bike shop and they couldn't find anything wrong with my rims. And so I was just like, the universe doesn't want me to ride my bike. I won't ride my bike. Is this replacing some time on the board? 
Well, I got a bit of a heel bruise. Okay. I was skating at the D Park one day before I went into the office, and I, I always went bo- into what office? Well, sometimes oh, I'll go that's up to right. the office. You have an office. But uh, I, there's this curb there that is waxed up that I board slide a lot, but this day it was like sticky a little bit. Mm. So I tried once and kind of hung up, and then I tried again, and I was like, I'll just go faster this time. And I hung up again, and as I ran out, I just, it wasn't even like I really, I did a little bit of a dive roll, but like I stepped really hard on my left heel in a funny way. Yeah. And that was like two and a half weeks ago, and it's still just a little tender. A little tender. Yeah, you might. You did something. Might have what? You did a little something. Yeah, God, I bruised the fatty tissue in there. It just takes a while to heal. But, you know, you, if you want it to heal properly, you, unfortunately, you, you're, you'd be wise it, to stay off the board for a little while. Give it a chance, Josh. So I've been on the balance board to keep things tight, but oh, not on the skateboard. <laughs> but I did buy some new skateboarding shoes that have, which was hard for me because I've been, I've been wearing barefoot shoes a lot. You know, I don't, They don't make a good barefoot skate shoe, but I... Is, is the, are those the knuckle shoes? No, I don't wear the five-toe shoes. Those are <laughs> freaky. I just wear zero-drop, like, wide-toe box shoes most of the time. Okay. Just because my... It builds zero-drop meaning flat heel? Flat heel. It's basically like walking barefoot, but with, like, a little bit of shoe around it, I guess. Sure, I don't know. sure. So it was like a... It was a departure for me at this point to go back and just buy, like, a skate shoe again. What'd you get? Some Tyshawn Jones Adidas... Pro model skate shoes. Oof. His new low low top. Originally, it was released as a mid. Do you think Outlier would ever make a, sh- a shoe? I don't know if they would. I buy these this brand called Vivo Barefoot. Yeah, which is I don't love that name, but I, their their design is great. Like they make really really nice shoes and lots of different styles. And I I actually sent them a comment email thing because they asked for me to review a pair of shoes, you know, like they do. Oh, they did? Well, not personally, but they're marketing bot or whatever. Yep. But I wrote this thing saying like, hey, I I really want to try skating in these. I have one pair of yours that I kind of skate in, but it's it's probably going to rip them up. You should should make a skate shoe. And I I didn't say I would help them design it because who the hell am I? But I could. I've, I've studied skate shoes, Mark. Did that bot get back to you? I heard nothing back from the bot. But I have this feeling... That our paths will cross again. You and the bot? Me and the company. Okay. They're into mycelium. They use mycelium to make a lot of their insoles. Ooh. And I'm into mycelium. Yes, you are. I know some other people who are really into Check mycelium. Check the preface to the age of invisible machines. It's all about mycelium. So I think there could be some cross, some co- co-collab. Co-collab. But anyway, Mark, I don't, I don't know what else to tell you about that. To the hot plants. Hot plants? Diet. For a hotter climate, five plants that could help feed the world. Another guardian story. Ooh. Josh likes a good guardian. I'm an anglophile. Five plants, Josh. Five of them. As the planet warms, these five drought-tolerant and highly nutritious crops offer hope for greater resiliency. You want to take a guess? Sorghum. I recommend that we plant sorghum, copious amounts of sorghum. Remember that guy from Walking Dead? Of course I remember that guy from No, I don't think sorghum's on there, though. Sorghum's it's not, but you're in the right ballpark. In the right ballpark. grain silo. A lot of ancient grainy. Yeah, there's like uh, amaranth? Correct. Uh, it's not all grains, though, is it? Not all. Was chia? Nope. Not quinoa? Nope. Those are probably resource-heavy. Flax is crazy resource-heavy. What else is on there, Mark? I don't know. 
I'll give you Phonio. Phonio? That is another grain. Have you done some Phonio research? I... <clears throat> I put this in there because I wanted to pick the brush brain. Well, there was, I think it's a little bit out. We've moved on, but there was a time where what's the next ancient grain? Which one of these is going to pop? And should I get it in my packaged food? Phonio, huh? That was a game people like to play because you had Chia. You had... Quinoa. Quinoa. You had something else popped. Uh, not Faro. I can't remember. Buckwheat? Um, no. Barley. No. I've been eating a lot of barley. Now, you, now I feel dumb because I've stopped paying attention to the ancient grain fads. You, well, you've been focusing so hard on the future. Well, I get, I get bored with these. You can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. No. Uh, I'm going to find it, though. You're like a crow, a raven. You, something else was shiny. Oh, what, are the, what are the seven ancient grains? Kamut. Tef, Tef was making a play. Pharaoh oh. was making a play. Frika, remember Frika? Injera, Injera. Frika was making a play. You need Tef to make Injera. Pharaoh spelt. Kamut. Quinoa. Wait, how is, it, how is that spelt? Is it S-P-L-E-E-D? Oh, real funny. You like that one? Sorghum. 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 Huh? Is, is that show done? I don't know. I had to tap out. I, I read about what happened to Rick once the... That one dude caught him. The what's what was that guy's name? He beat in a bunch of their heads with a bat. Oh, that was God. I can't remember any of this shit anymore. I know. I after that, that guy's still around. They're I, I redeeming know. him as a good guy, which is so weird. I don't know. I just no. Rick got Rick got his hand cut off or something, didn't he? No, he got eventually. He lost a hand. I he think. ended up with that salvage lady, trash collector lady. Not Michonne. No, no, no. Not no, the no. samurai. No, no, no. The and she sold him to somebody who carried him off in a some sort of flycraft. What? <laughs> he disappeared because he quit the show, right? Oh, he did. I don't know. I, you, so you watched that? I think I've seen up. To, I, I, it's a guilty. I'm like, I got to see it through. I like that show. I love zombie stuff, but I just it was starting to weigh too heavy on me. Yeah, I it was getting a little too cruel. There were well, then you it, it's starting to match the real world a little too much. Right? Yeah. Pharaoh of ancient Egypt. Oh, no. D- uh, spelt. Oh, this is so old. I can't even. All right, okay. go back. But what are the ones that we can grow in okay, this Josh, world? Okay, Josh. Amaranth, Phonio, another traditional grain, Africa. Cowpeas. Ooh. You like a good cowpea, don't you? Also called uh, southern pea or black-eyed pea. That's the black-eyed pea. That's a, that's a good luck grain right there. Came to America. They were grown for human consumption in West Africa. Uh, it's hugely important in much of Africa, Nigeria. That, yeah, this is what's going to happen. We're going to be depending on, before you know it, depending on Africa for drought-resistant food products. Well, I mean, we could probably grow them here, too. That's true. Taro. That's a, isn't that like a root? The root, yeah. A the root, root vegetable. You know Taro. I do. That's why I said, isn't that a root? (laughs) Like I said, you know taro. Yeah, you know what's not on that list? Almonds. Nope. Last one is Kernza, the crop bred for climate crisis. Has a lot of General Mills behind it. Kernza. Trying to to get that on the map. There you go. Fascinating. All right, I can adapt. I like grains. I like whole grains. Oh, my God. There's two more Guardian stories. (laughs) What? 
I just didn't realize how many of these were Guardian. A lot of the Guardian. I, they, I like that. They're, they're doing it right over there. They're doing something right. Yeah, I don't know if you can buy. For a while, you, there was a few. There were a few kerns of products on the market. The General Mills uh, cracker or something. But then I think they. I don't know if they're still there. You need to scale it up more. All right, so get moving on Kernza. Josh to the beats. I sold the rights to my songs to buy a farm. Now I'm trying to change the way food is grown. Guardian. Oh, yeah. This is not the Jake Plummer story, which we already covered. No, it's not. This is... For the musician. What's this guy's name? Andy Cato. There he is. Is he smoking? No. A regenerative farmer and co-founder of Wild Farmed, one half of the electronic music band Groove Armada. Hey. You a big fan of Groove Armada? I never was. You? Are they not around anymore? Uh, I don't know. I think they are. I've never heard of them. They're groovy. Okay, well, yet another example of a... Yeah, I don't know that we need to dig into the Celebrity. Story. But it's not... I, but I Choosing for the new lifestyle. That's a trend, though. I feel like a lot of people... Oh, yeah. Like, I know a lot of people who are moving to smaller mountain towns around Den- around Colorado. They're leaving Denver. Yep. Um, and I've heard about a lot of other people, like Trinidad. A lot of people moved to Trinidad, Salida, yeah. like that area. Not that you can go there and start a farm, necessarily, but I think there's this shift. People want to be closer to pastoral, I think. And get they out. want pastoral access. The lure of the city is gone. I mean, your nemesis Sam is moving to Palisade. Jesus, can you I believe? Thought he already it? did. Very close. I mean, he, they are moving there. I don't think it's happened just yet. Gotcha. He loves peaches, though. You can't blame him. <laughs> I read. I saw something that said the number of people who leave Denver in July and August is on a dramatic rise. They get out of the... Oh, you mean just for those months? Just for those months, I guess, because they just go somewhere where... Because you can work wherever you want. You could have a summer home in the mountains. Yeah, or they maybe the get away from the heat might be a little of it. But it's also... Uh, that's where they're going. Smaller places. Yep. All right. Familiar it's a trend. We better, we, we better get out of here. Where should we move? I... Kind of want to. I feel like the smartest place to move would be. You want to go to the water, the UP, like the Upper Peninsula. You want to go? We can go find Bagney. Yeah, I mean, there you're close to huge lakes that are actually like the water levels are rising in those. I think they are. Yeah, but then you're up near Brett Favre. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. There's a lot of militia activity up there. I mean, it's not like you're just going to go up there and have some beatnik paradise. Nope. <laughs> Could be a little rough. Well, we'll have to teach them this. Back I, to the Guardian. <laughs> if I could move to Canada and live on Lake Superior in Canada, maybe that'd be cool. Yeah. Quinn's a big Canada fan. I don't hey. know why. Is, I'm not sure it's for the reasons that it might be for us. Maybe it is. Because she loves ST, SCTV. <laughs> or she's just figured out, like, oh, things are kind of crazy here. That seems like they're a little bit nicer and calmer. <laughs> it is calmer. I, I have weird dreams of moving to Quebec. Oh, the Quebecois. Parce que je parle un peu de français. My learnings, whatever. It'd be fun to live there. I, I've heard that it's like, it, you know, it's French speaking, but they they go in and out. They move between French and English right. within a single sentence. Mm-hmm. I think I could really enjoy that. Red Twist and I spend a... A hot... <laughs> a hot lover's weekend in Quebec. Yeah. Quebec uh. <laughs> nights. In uh. <laughs> That's a good show title. 
Québécois Nights. Uh, uh, so wait, la, Montreal, Montreal. La nuit de Québec. Montreal, Quebec City is the anyway, a new way of life. Josh, the Marxist post-capitalist, post-capitalist Green Manifesto, captivating Japan. Oh yeah, I was very curious about this. Book. Kohai Saito's book, Capital in the Anthropocene, Anthropocene, Anthropocene has become an unlikely hit among young people and is about to be translated into English. Well. Nandasuka. Book club. Yeah, I think we need to read. Book buddies. Let's let's get book buddies going again. Let's let's uh let's uh, round off BBC buddies. Okay. Get back on book buddies. Within is this the book? I like that book. I don't know. It could be a good one. I, I feel like there are weird little signals in the air that maybe people are getting tired of the capitalist rat oh, race. Phew. Absolutely. You know, and obviously, like, Marxism has its problems. But, I mean, every system of government is easily corrupted. It's, it is definitely in the air. We've been... We've been uh, Bernie Sanders. Don't call him a socialist, even though he is a socialist. <laughs> He's my favorite. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. The capitalism doesn't really seem to be making anyone all that happy, except right. the weird... Assholes at the top trying to figure out how to hoard all their wealth and prevent put, put on their space suits. their protectors from killing them. <laughs> Few I mean, would that's have not happiness. No. Even the people that have succeeded the most to capitalism don't seem happy. They seem nuts. They do get nuts. So I mean, they might be happy, but they're nuts. They're happy, but they're but they're not. They're, they all get divorced. They've they're got, in danger of dying assholes. They've got and like, alone. I mean, look at them. Yeah, Elon Musk has. An unknown number of kids. And probably none of them want to talk to him. One of them already has said I'm out and legally filed to not be related to him and change. <laughs> I think there's a transgender issue there as well. Yeah. I'm not sure if he was supportive of it or not. Uh, anyway, yeah, so he's got that. Bezos got divorced and is. Ah, Jesus. Bill and Melinda Gates. That didn't last. Their names are no longer attached together on Happiness. Oh, yeah. A uh, few would have suspected Saito's Japanese language solution to the climate crisis to have much appeal outside left-wing academia and politics. Instead, the book, which was inspired by Karl Marx's writings on the environment, has become an unlikely hit. More than half a million copies. Says it was published in September 2020. What's the name of this book? I mean, we found. What's the name of the book? I don't know. Did they bury the lead? God. Deeply. Deeply buried lead. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, what is the name of this book? Oh my God! Is it not? Uh, uh, it's not in here. A mystery to solve in episode oh, yeah, one. No, no, no! I said oh. it in the title. His book is called "Capital in the Anthropos Anthropocene." Anthropocene. I wonder how you say that in Japanese. Uh, That'd be a great book, buddy. So you trying to? I can dip into your. Now I'll tell you once more. I've told you before on this podcast that anyone who can speak English can speak Japanese without an accent because they have far fewer sound combinations. So if you, oh right, you can speak it without an accent, but it, that doesn't mean it's easy to learn. Right. I'm not trying. Or sh you know, don't think that you're hot shit because you can say nandasuka. Is this? I don't think it's out yet. If that's the cover, that's great. <laughs> Is this book available? Okay, but this guy, 
this should be one of the writers who's hired by, you know, kept on retainer by big companies employing, you know, seismic technology. Why not have this guy? Even if he says not what you want to hear, that's good. You need to hear it. Exactly. He hears your plans. He's like, ooh, I can see how that would be cost cutting in this area. But you're, you know, five years down the line, you're going to poison the entire world. Okay. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you've raised your hand, yes? So, the English translation of the... Tell me if I'm getting this right. The English translation of this title as capital in the Anthropocene doesn't do justice to what's really going on here because the actual title is Das Kapital huh. in Anthropozan. But Das Kapital, isn't that the name of Karl Marx's book? Yeah, that sounds Russian. Which may translate to just capital, but it's you lose that link. What a sleuth. Yeah. So this is heavy Marxist. All right. I can't, I don't know. It's not on Amazon. Is that because we're not allowed to sell it in the United States? Yes, because it undermines Bezos's scheming. How about, you can't find it? You can't just search it on internet and find it? Well, if I, yeah, I can find the book. Just not on Amazon where you do all your shopping? Like where I would need to buy it. You need to buy it on Amazon? No. You can't buy it from <laughs> Powell's or Tattered Cover? I'm not finding it for sale in That's the U.S. That's really disappointing, Mark, because I know for a fact that you were an independent bookseller once upon a time. Unbelievable. Show some loyalty to Marks, those who helped shape your... Marks in the Anthropocene towards, the idea, towards the idea of degrowth communism. Oof. I don't know if that's it or not. Wait, didn't they say degrowth capitalism in there somewhere, too? That would be a better title, I think. I talked to some guy 10 years ago when I was meeting? doing my Q&As for Nutrition Business Journal talking about sort of out left field ideas. And it was somebody running an institute that was like, the I can't remember what it was called, 3% or something. Like any amount of economic growth over this level is going to harm the planet. And if your goal is to not harm the planet, you have to avoid growth. That kind of makes some sense. (laughs) How am I going to sell that to my CEO crowd? Well, Mark, I can't believe I forgot to send... So this might be a good book to explore that idea further. I think so, and I think it tees up something that we both neglected to put in the dock that is huge news... Oh, God. ...to us. Queen Elizabeth. Anyone who's paying attention. No, Mark. Oh. What did the CEO of Patagonia just do? Oh, wasn't that great? Yeah, beautiful. Well, he gave. What did Not he as actually life do? As art, he divested the company. What did he do? He like, like any profits get invested in climate. In climate stuff. Yeah, he did do some. He gave up the company, and he, and many people have done this sort of billionaire pledge. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, I will give away a lot of eighty percent, whatever it is, of my fortune once I'm gone. And all on this sort of long trajectory, whereas he said, now all, right? (laughs) Like, and set it up. And maybe the mechanics are similar, but anyway. uh, That is a bold move. That is, there is no better brand than that brand, I think. I agree. Bronner's is great, but it gets a little squirrely, right? Oh, one. I still love the brand. Don't get me wrong. Oh. But like... (laughs) Why did you just go, oh? Would you take issue with their their message that we could all exist as one? No, I, no, 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 no. But it, I think just in terms of like a mainstreaming 
of a really authentic brand, Patagonia is probably a better example. Well, they're, yeah, they're, it's a little more obvious. Like they don't proselytize the way, well, whether it, it's religious or not. Well, yeah, and like the the, com- they, the company Bronner's reflects the bottle, right? Like, there's so many mm. ideas and initiatives, like or not initiatives, but like the the, the bottle is so full of a variety of ideas. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, I feel like Patagonia is like a more coherent, like this is who we are, this is what we do. Mm, okay, that could be true. Yeah. And like, the, as you know the good stuff about Bronner's. They make excellent soaps. They treat their employees I, well. I had the opportunity to study their latest report. Transmission from Spaceship Earth. It's Yes, it's their version of an annual report. They're a private company. They don't have to share any of this, but they do an annual report, which actually discusses revenues and people uh, hiring and all that. The deg- But they've been doing this stuff so long that the degree to which that they, they behave well is in, is nuts. It's all over the place. It's not just like, yeah, we're going to make this chocolate, so we need to do well by the farmers here. It's throughout the company. They gave like 40% of their profit went to charity. That's a lot. Yeah. 6.5% raise across the board when inflation got high. Just everybody got it. Um, I still think the CEO is paid like five times the lowest worker. So that's, I mean, if you do the math on that, like what if somebody, they're making soap, right? Like is somebody making 30 grand a year? So that means the CEO is making 150 in this day and age. You're like, good job, man. Yeah. But then anyway, they do very deep, like how they actually are doing the chocolate. Anyway, it was very impressive. Love that chocolate. Very impressive. Patagonia the same way. Some of it, they've been pretty good at, some of that CPB marketing brain, like there's a guy named Jeb in the Kingsbury, in the charge Kingsbury world, who I think was intimately involved in some of their campaigns, like don't buy any of our stuff or bring it in and we'll fix it. Yeah, they'll fix it for free, won't they? Stuff like that. All right, I can't find this book. That is like responsible capitalism. Responsible. Oh, I, I got a page for the guy on Kindle. There's a lot of Marx books. Maybe this is a Marx scholar. Hmm. All right, Josh. We're going to have to come back to it later because it's just not available yet. It's it's probably being translated as we speak. I would think so. I mean... One more story. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, we didn't even look at what that was. I guess there's... It's basically saying abandon capitalism. Or slow it down. At least slow it down. Oh, I'm all for slowing it down. Okay. Last story, episode 176, Bloody Cakes. To the philosophers, a can of tomato juice in the sea. Why did you send me this? A philosopher friend shared it with me. I don't. <laughs> this has to do with ideas of like intellectual property, I think, right? You, uh, Alejandra Mancilla uses an example from Robert Nozick to question the claims to ownership made by breeders of genetically modified organisms. This is coming out of Philosophy Now, a magazine of ideas. I'll bet you this is an easy one to end on. The sea is one. GMOs are thousands. Hmm. There's a lot of exclamation points in the subheads on this article. I'm very excited about All the ideas. effort invested. The first and probably most powerful argument for defending intellectual property rights over GMOs in a Lockean fashion relies on desert. Desert? 
Desert. Desert. Two S's. Desert. Okay. Since it took a lot of effort to arrive at the result, that effort ought to be rewarded. Okay. You lost you. A second defense for patenting GMOs might say that while the ocean is one and not replicable, a GMO, a GMO is only one variety among potentially countless other variants. Putting aside dessert and the proviso, not to make others worse off through ownerships of GMOs, a third way to defend intellectual property rights over GMOs among Lockean lines would be to appeal to the social utility produced by mixing one's labor with nature. Josh, this dates back to 2015, so clearly the impact of this article has been dramatic. <laughs> you can find traces of this article I need, everywhere. I need to be more more circumspect in the links you sent me. <laughs> what an episode, Platy Cakes. Oh, you've abandoned it? You can't. I, can't, I can't deal with that right now. Okay. But I do need a subhead. I can't deal with that right now. Lockean... Nope, that's not going to get me anywhere. I'll have to listen to it as you pull out your cues. Oh, all right. This um, episode's in the bag. Once again, Mark, we've reached the end of another fantastic episode of 9000, the podcast from the future, coming to you live from uh, Burbank, California. We're at the, what, what did we say it was? Game show. Stage Set design. Prop, stage stage prop, prop Expo. Expo. 2022. Quick plug. Quick plug. For The Age of Invisible Machines on Amazon. I just got a picture in Slack of someone holding an actual copy of it. We just need to just search under Josh Tyson on Amazon. It's in someone's hand right now. Why, why is it not in my hand? I don't know. Quick plug for it is football season. You never know when we might bring back in the face. Oh, man. The, the betting pool's off, but there's so much to talk about. Oh, I just thought I got excluded again. Quick plug for Book Buddies. Rounding home plate on... You mean BBC Buddies. Right. But isn't the playlist called Book Buddies? It's called Buddies. <laughs> oh, that's right. We just called it Buddies. Okay. Sorry. Quick just plug for buddies. buddies. doing things. Quick plug for Buddies where we have clearly identified... We consume media together. The next bit of media to be consumed. And that's all I've got to plug. All right. Quick plug for Kernza. The grain of the future. Grain of the future. Quick plug for. <laughs> 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 <laughs>